Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, a children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on the internet at jadeoxfordrose, and I use they-them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we are talking about book number 31, The Conspiracy, and we are joined by a guest. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. Hey, you're very welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, where can people find you? Yeah. Yep, and pronouns, if you please. Oh, sure. I'm Sarah, she, her pronouns. Um, you can find me online at Sarah with an H, Capit, K-A-P-I-T. I am, well, a longtime fan of Animorphs, but I'm also now a children's book author myself. So if um, my books are very different from Animorphs, so um, unfortunately can't go into them expecting um, the, the space science fiction coolness, but I do write about uh, Jewish autistic characters, so if that's something that interests you, I, I've i got that. Nice. <laughs> oh, we should, we should tell our friends. We have, we have, <laughs> we have some of those. <laughs> yes. I mean, my books, my books are for, for children, but I've, I've been told that some adults <laughs> like them as well, much like Animorphs, <laughs> although um, they're not, my books aren't going to emotionally destroy you, so, so don't worry about that. <laughs> We won't hold that against them. Yeah, like mm-hmm. decades later, still, um, yep, feeling the the pain. Much like I am. Yeah. Speaking of, why don't you tell us a little bit about your like relationship to animorphs? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I, I just I love these books so much. I think I I'm not sure I didn't read them entirely in order. I think I started. Um, there was, it was a situation where I think I, I got one or few, one or two. I was always a big reader. Um, some, either my parents got a few for me or my parents' friends. And, but I eventually be- became hooked. And sometime around 25 or 26, I was one of those people who I would, I would insist I had to get the book every month. I bugged my parents to take me to the Barnes and Noble so that we could buy the new book. And, um, I was just very into it. And I've always, um, even in, adulthood i've just continued to love them i think uh when i first started um developing a relationship with my, my current partner i told him we have to read these and and he did all of them <laughs> so uh, they've just been such a big part of my life for, for so long i actually i met k applegate 10 years ago at the la festival books that was awesome and nice um and so so i have a somewhat scarily encyclopedic knowledge of these books if i do say so <laughs> and um it's just one thing i love about this podcast is that you um danielle have a similar i think knowledge sometimes i like i listen to other animorphs podcasts and and i like some of them but then i think no no you're wrong because in book 26 <laughs> this is what happens and this is and, and it's just you have the proper level of animorphs <laughs> Plus, I agree with you. (laughs) Good, good. I'm I'm glad I meet your nerd standards. Uh, Hey, hey, Danielle, you've gotten an A in podcasting about animals. (laughs) Something that is both reasonable reasonable to want and possible to achieve, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I kind of, especially when it's like a, a cis dude who's like, they say, oh, we're such fans, and then... They get like everything wrong, and I'm like, ah, "No, you're not." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, at least most of the podcasts I've listened to, they're on the right track. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so okay. Uh, so with that, let's look at book thirty-one. Um, Book 31, The Conspiracy, is a Jake book. Um, It has Jake turning into a peregrine falcon on the cover. Um, Therefore, it is one of my favorites, because all the ones that have birds on them are my favorites. Um, I have a brand and I stick to it. Uh, It is a book that focuses on uh, Jake and his family. It's a very tightly focused book. Um on on Jake's 
struggle between basically saving the world and saving his brother. Um, it was ghostwritten by uh, Laura Batiani Weiss, uh, who also wrote book 27 and will write book 39. Hold on. Yep, book 39. Okay, that's the one I thought it was. Uh, so, so, uh, we have both good and bad here. <laughs> Is this a comment um, on book 39? Uh-huh. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 39 is a fucking ride. Oh, that it is. Um, uh-huh. Yay. <laughs> um... So, uh, one of the things that we can expect from this ghostwriter is, um, a good sense of the horror of morphing. Um, some pretty good interpersonal stuff. Uh, in 27, we had a lot of good interpersonal stuff between Rachel and Tobias. Here we have a lot between Jake and Marco. Um, but yeah. Uh, some book-specific content warnings before we dive in uh, include gun violence, kidnapping, torture slash interrogation. The torture's implied. It's not really on screen. Um, and the threat of familial violence. You'll understand why very soon. Um, what were your overall thoughts on the book? I sometimes struggle a little with Jake books. Um, mm -hmm. I've talked about this before on the podcast about how he's arguably the character I sort of vibe with the least. Um, I have that lead character is not my bag syndrome a lot of the time. Hmm. Um, what I found interesting about it is it felt very discomforting to read. And it occurred to me as I was sort of thinking about my feelings on the matter, is that makes sense because Jake is so off balance in this book mm -hmm. and the way he's written, you very much feel with him. And because obviously most of the time he's so very solid, even when we're with his perspective, we hear his doubts, but he is still sort of like on point uh, because he feels he has to be. And this with him being like, freezing up and things like that you know being a child which he is mm -hmm. I, I don't know why i'm staring into the middle distance like i'm making eye contact with somebody i'm trying to convince to the point but i am <laughs> um i think that's just the vibe reading it i feel like maybe i was supposed to feel a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. reading it because mm -hmm. Jake is so often like the bedrock that the rest of the team have. And to have mm -hmm. that not, as we've said before, when one of the team isn't able to fulfill their role as usual, as they usually do, shit tends to go wrong. Yep. Yep. I've had um, some some feelings about Jake over the years. Because honestly, when I was a kid, I, I, it's not that I disliked him. I was just sometimes kind of bored with him because oftentimes it felt like his books were a lot of him complaining about being the leader and kind of just angsting about that and getting all up in his feelings about that. And as a kid, I was just like, oh, you know, okay, I, you know, enough already, basically. Mm, and I know, and I realize now, okay, that, that's not really an entirely fair. In fact, like he, he has a right to complain about it all he wants frankly. So I've, I've developed much more of an appreciation for him as an adult. And I think I, I like this book. I think it starts off a little slowly, but once it gets in its stride, it has, I think, some of the most beautiful Jake character moments in the entire series. And so I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate that about it. I mean, as mm -hmm. always with Jake and Rachel, I'm torn between um, wanting to like fight anyone who tries to question that they're Jewish and also acknowledging that yeah, sometimes they're not quite written as Jewish, and I kind of mm -hmm. wish they were. And I think, again, you've got, you guys have talked about this so many times. It's a 
it's an artifact of the 90s and the characters mm-hmm. it's the cast is diverse without necessarily being written as diverse mm-hmm. most of the time and it just it is what it is but it, it definitely stood out in this book because it was so much on family and um and so that that aspect of the books will always disappoint me but i think as a book itself it's it's very solid it's um interesting coming after 30 i don't think it's quite as good as number 30 but it's definitely no um it's definitely a, an interesting um look into jake and and i appreciate him more now that i am not a bratty little child who thinks that <laughs> other children should be able to save the world with without complaining so yep I think yeah. it's that emotional intelligence that we develop as we get older, like we experience mm-hmm. more things and sort of like can have a little bit more compassion um, yeah. for somebody's struggles. Uh, also, the point that struck me when you said uh, in the documents are about Jake complaining a lot, and I thought, does he complain a lot? And I'd have to go back and check or consult um, yeah. my fellow how much does he actually complain to yeah. other people yeah and i guess how much I meant, are we just privy to yeah no i guess i meant he complains in his head all the time and that's because we're privy to his mm. head that if mm-hmm. yeah um, i mean you're you're right actually that he very rarely i think if ever um actually says out loud to to any of the um other animorphs i don't like doing this and, um in fact i think he says specifically i think in 16 he says the leaders can't complain about being the leader or something to that effect but yeah. in his, in his yeah, head he complains constantly so i guess to me it just feel it felt like as a kid i, don't know. So I think i think that was again a bit unfair fair of me to um perceive but it is certainly a lot of his um mm. arc and i think you know understandably so that oh, yeah. um, the burden of leadership west rests pretty heavily on him and um and i think that's that's actually what i think is interesting about his character now but um, I haven't always been able to appreciate it quite as much. And I think like you, I just, I never related to him as much. I always, um, related really hard to Tobias. I always loved Barco and Axe as well, but <laughs> Jake for me was just a little bit harder to, to grasp, but I think I appreciate him more now. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, I, I think this book is extremely interesting particularly because it comes right off the back of 30. Um, Like, I think if there were more books in between them, it would not be as strong as it is. Um, But coming right off of it, you're immediately brought to mind the contrast between how Jake deals with a situation like this and how Marco does. Um, and it really illustrates the differences in their personality and their ways of thinking, uh, and the, the things that motivate them in the war, um, and how they view each other. Uh, I have some thoughts to share, but we can get to those, uh, a bit later. Um, I ended up writing like a incredibly long sentence in the in the note just like mm, there were no full stops there um but let's should we dive in yeah because um a thought just struck me uh this is a real solid uh intro uh, it some, uh it's hard to make the intros compelling because it is information we've had especially if you've read one recently um and this is true of all of the like scholastic books of the time. Like I remember I was a baby sitters club kid. Every book, like maybe chapter two, has the breakdown of what the baby sitters club is just like, oh, I know. <laughs> but anywho. Reading this and what just struck me as I open as I rolled through the PDF ready to uh start recording is sometimes the ending will have like people saying, Oh, uh, I can't tell you my name. I can't mm-hmm. tell you where I live, or that's not important. Um, where I live isn't important. Jake, the phrasing here is, my last name doesn't matter. Where I live and go to school doesn't matter either. And that's such a clearly defined different outlook on it. Mm-hmm. Because... This is Jake minimizing himself 
and seeing himself as like this very small part of something and the particulars of him are not important. Which is, you know, very distressing. <laughs> um, and given like what we've seen Jake be willing to do and the thing, the steps necessary, like for all that we've talked about, um, Jake being like, yeah, after all this, mm-hmm. thinking about that as his motivator to get through it all. Like a couple of books ago, we saw him die and like. <laughs> The notion of him like, oh, I'm just, it's uncomfortable to talk about. And it has that, I say, rhetoric of a soldier. Mm-hmm. I don't matter. The cause matters. And yeah, it just, it makes me very sad. <laughs> it, is yeah. what it does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he then goes on to talk about battle specifically, and we see his knowledge of um, uh, certain different kinds of weaponry and things like that. And obviously, as we go on through this book, we find out that his great-grandfather served uh, in the Second World War. And we know from the earlier books that he studies military history now, which, mm-hmm. unfortunate connotations of white boys obsessed with what military history. It's just sort of like, <laughs> Meh. But also, I think it's very common. Or at least Jake has a yeah. decent enough reason, I suppose, to be mm-hmm. researching war tactics. Um, but again, off the back of... It's interesting seeing him do this when we, he was the one kid that wasn't at the weird not D-Day, D-Day. Yep. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, there's a couple things to point out in this intro. Uh, like, one, um, he talks about uh, the whole army is the six of them, and sometimes they get help from the chi. Um, most of us learn to fight the hard way in a deadly on-the-job training type deal, but some of us had a head start, like my cousin Rachel, who loves it all, and like, hey, Jake. Yeah. Fuck, my guy. <laughs> hey, hey, Jake, your cousin didn't know how to kill people before this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's sort of playing into the whole, like, natural warrior trope that a lot a lot mm. of the others they always say that about Rachel and I don't like it I don't think it's true and maybe it's yeah. easier for him to think that way but it's not true and... yeah um I mean we've and... talked about before if if Rachel is the attack dog if mm-hmm. Rachel is the weapon he needs to think about her in those terms doesn't mm-hmm. he because if he thinks about her as his cousin Rachel then it becomes a whole lot harder to ask her to do shitty things yeah and the fact that he describes uh, the way he describes Axe as mm-hmm. a warrior cadet. And the key word there, my guy, is <laughs> cadet. <laughs> yeah. He baby, like the rest of you baby. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, we've seen Axe get steadily better at fighting. Like, obviously he would have had some combat training. But, like, the way he fights has slowly been changing as the books go on, as the needs of what is required change and shift. And it's like, let me just, brief aside, Axe is incredible in this book. He and is. I oh, absolutely. Him. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I rambled to the end of my point. No, you're good. Uh, <laughs> other, other points uh i could do without the glorification of d-day or like uh world war ii and how uh thousands saw the wrongs being committed and stood up to correct them no we didn't yeah i, th- I think that he sort of needs to i mean i i think unfortunately it does play into it like an incorrect historical narrative but i think jake just it desperately does. needs to believe that there was like this good war in the past i mean it's mm-hmm. the way americans think about world war ii is, is it is really it incomplete is. but like I can sort of forgive it for Jake because he needs to believe this because otherwise mm-hmm. um, he'll fall apart even more than he's already doing. Yeah. I do like the comparison. And, and he never actually did see War. the fake D-Day, unlike the others, because he was dead. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, I do like his comparison to the Civil War, um, especially because we learn that he does research on like the revolutionary tactics 
and the um the guerrilla tactics that were used in the revolutionary war uh and that also would have been used in the civil war um but living with the dark ugly fact that if you met your brother on the battlefield he would kill you unless you killed him first uh and th- this is our theme for the book y'all have fun uh um and then we get him uh thinking about his great grandfather um which uh he was close to um who would tell Jake or at least once told Jake um I see myself in you, Jake. You've got an old soul. Uh, and the, the key thing to know about Grandpa G, his great grandfather, is that he fought in World War II. Uh, and I don't like that. Uh, before Jake was even in this war, uh, it, I do like that it almost adds a it it adds a sort of backwards uh justification for what we've seen others say about how Jake is a natural leader. Um I like that this is uh this this is kind of proof that other people also saw that in him. But, like, when adults say that a child has an old soul, mm. uh, mm. it's generally because that child is traumatized in some way and has had to grow up too fast. Or is neurodivergent. Or is neurodivergent. Or both. Or both. Or some combination. They're, mm. They don't act like other children for one reason or another. Uh... And that, considering that mm, for the most part, the narrative we see of Jake as a younger child is that he had a basically totally normal family and growing up, um, it is interesting to me to have someone say that about him. Yeah, I, I don't know. It does, does feel a bit like somehow Grandpa G saw into the future and saw what Jake's fate would be. So, yeah, I, I agree. It does, it's not really consistent with the um, what we see of Jake in the early books and his journey. So, yeah, I, I could probably do without that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't known what he'd meant then or why he'd said it. I don't know. Maybe he saw my future somehow. Because now I was old. You see too much pain and destruction, you get old inside. It's one of the byproducts of war. I'm the unofficial leader of the Animorphs. I send us into battle. When things go wrong, when we get hurt or have to run for our lives, that's on me too. I'm not complaining. Has to be done, you know? Someone has to make the calls. A good leader has to make tough, informed decisions. Recognize his soldiers' special strengths and use them accordingly. Fight to win with the knowledge that he may die trying. But most important, a leader won't ask anyone to do anything he wouldn't do himself. That one came home to haunt me. Because in three days, my brother Tom was either going to kill or be killed, and it was up to me to decide. You know, this Jake, you're is... 13? Mm-hmm. It just occurred to me, this is also the third instance, or the, as this book goes on, that somebody... One of the animorphs is preparing to kill somebody if necessary, and somebody else makes it so they don't have to. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting, spoilers for the end of the book, I guess, um, is that we see Jake consistently fail mm-hmm. in this book to do that, and we never would have found out if we don't find out if he would have been able to go through with it. Because situation changes and that choice becomes no, or plays even the ability to do so. And it's interesting when comparing it to Rachel, who was fully prepared and ready to do the thing, 
when push came to shove. And Marco, who stepped up ready to do it and was saved from having to do so. I do find it interesting that Jake can't. And it, it feels like that distinction is being made. Mm -hmm. And I find that incredibly compelling, especially when we see the way that Jake has gotten called out on his hypocrisy and mm -hmm. the way he's the focus, he's Cryax like, poor little meow meow just like mm, that one that fucked up one I hate him I'm sorry I have put the cast notion of <laughs> calling somebody a poor little meow meow but the fact that Jake turns into a tiger is just actually adding to that <laughs> so enjoy that horror show Izzy. hashtag Izzy sticker <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck of Christ. Oh, this recording's cursed. Sorry. So cursed. Uh oh. Great. Love it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, yeah, to, to circle back, it becomes really interesting because, and we've talked about this before with Jake, how he is the harshest critic of everybody, including of himself. Let me be clear. Mm -hmm. But he comes down so hard on Rachel. And we see in this book his disgust at Marco's ability to think about the clear, bright line. Yep. And it makes him incredibly uncomfortable. Mm hmm And it's like, leaving aside the whole children being in a war trauma thing, he says, it's interesting and it makes him complicated in a way that adult Jade reading these books can appreciate that as a kid, like I think Sarah was saying, I would have found it incredibly annoying because it was just like, why is Jake such an asshole? Yeah. Why is he so mad at everybody all the time? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's just, I find this very interesting. And it also, again, as the books go on, and when I think about what generals do in wars, because generals don't die in wars, generals send other people to die in wars. <laughs> so, you know. I fear what I do not know, which is the rest of this book series and the slightly concerned laughs that Danielle makes whenever I get too close to figuring stuff out. This is my punishment. Really, that was my preemptive punishment for the poor little meow meow thing. Frankly. <laughs> but hey, let's get back to the plot uh -huh. <laughs> before, I, before I ruin everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh Daniel did the stunned silence thing when I get too close to the point. <laughs> oh no I did. Good good. Uh -huh. Skating on the thin ice and below the ice is just pain. <laughs> and soon I will fall through the ice. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Alright. Uh so Jake comes home from school. Um and uh, to a to a taxi parked outside his house, and his mom is rushing to get into the taxi and also crying. Uh, this immediately sets all of Jake's panic buttons off um, because if she's crying, then something must have happened to Tom or to his dad. Um. Uh, funny how even when your whole life has shifted into a daily Twilight Zone episode, there are still some things that can make you panic. Um, and she's just like, oh, I left you a note on the fridge. Uh, my flight is leaving right now. I have to go. Goodbye. And Jake's like, what the fuck happened? Um, and in enough of a panicked voice that she actually stops and is like oh right you don't know what the fuck is going on your grandpa g has died um he was found this morning uh and uh she is heading out to his cabin now to be with her parents um and <clears throat> because this is jake's great-grandfather on his mother's side um so Grandpa G is Jake's great-grandfather and his mother's grandfather. Um, uh, but she says that she's going out there now and you and your father and your brother will be following along um, 
in a couple days once your father clears his work schedule, because his father is a doctor and can't just drop all of his appointments. Um, and she leaves. Um, and Jake goes inside. And I think the immediate contrast between the intense panic he just felt thinking about that it something must have happened to Tom or to his father versus um yeah grandpa G was dead according to miss Malloy who'd talked to the doctor his heart stopped while he was putting jelly on a slice of toast he'd never even gotten a chance to eat it i shivered I care, I'd cared about Grandpa G, and now he was gone, and my family was smaller. I didn't like that. Which is both weirdly cold and also very disturbingly relatable. Um, because grief is funny like that, where if it's far enough away, uh, you don't necessarily feel it all at once. <clears throat> uh, I just found that to be very interesting, that immediate contrast. Um, and then uh, Tom and Jake's dad storm into the kitchen where Jake is. Uh, Tom got out of school early. <clears throat> and... Uh, then we get to the crux of the problem here, uh, because Tom is super fucking dead set about not going up to the cabin and not going to uh, this funeral. And Jake doesn't understand why until his dad uh, says that they'll be gone for four days. Um, which is a problem for Tom, who has a yerk in his head and can't be away from the yerk pool for four days. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Jake's father, like, basically puts his foot down and it's just like, you're fucking going. I don't care what you say. We're going. That's it. End of story. Um, and for a moment, standing here in the kitchen... Jake has the surreal feeling that Tom is just going to straight up attack his father. Um, and then Jake breaks the tension um, by playing his role as the little brother. Um, and things simmer down for now. Um, you know, Something I find interesting, and this maybe is something that we can expand on a little here, mm. considering that this is Jake's mother's grandfather that's mm -hmm. died, that it's Jake's dad we see being so adamant mm -hmm. that Tom goes. Mm -hmm. um, and... Americans, in my experience, deal with death very poorly. Like, every bit of media, and I'm not talking about fictional here, the way I sit, and, and I think it's the way it's treated as by society, mm. I mean, as well. It's just, the strength of Jake and Tom's father to this strikes me as very odd. And I don't know whether that's the, the British in me, <laughs> the <laughs> autism, or what, but I read that and that feels such a weird thing for Jake's dad to be so focused on, though, and I'll pass over to you, Sarah, about whether this is maybe a reflection of uh, maybe a more Jewish attitude. I, I think so, like, actually, for the dead. because... Um to me, this doesn't read as strange at all. I think it's actually um, mm. very um, that for me, um, I mean, granted, um, for a great grandparent, it might be a, a little bit 
Uh, but given that Jake and Tom actually had a relationship with him, to me, if a family member mm-hmm. died, it's not at all strange. It's like you're expected. You you go and uh, you go to the funeral. You go and participate in mourning rituals, which granted, Jewish mourning rituals are not shown in this book, but it in in any way. But it's, it's certainly it's expected that you you would go and that um, I mean I mean obviously if you had like a really good excuse not to go but tom's like his cultish community service organization yeah that, that's not it so to me jake's dad's um actually that's actually one of the, the reads is more jewish than most things in this book to be honest mm-hmm. yeah it's it's not weird for me either mostly because like the relationship that my father had with my brother when my brother was in his teens and like Tom's age. Like my brother and my dad once had a knockdown drag out fight about whether my brother was going to shower that evening <coughs> before his doctor's appointment in the morning. Mm-hmm. When he hadn't like he hadn't done fuck all all day. Like he like mm-hmm. it, he wasn't like sweaty and gross. Um but they got into like a knockdown drag out fight about it. And so I can very easily see this sort of thing just from like a white middle class family mm. unit perspective. Um uh, just uh, go on. Sorry. Just the uh the 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 tension being there and maybe it could have been not a fight this big, but because everyone goes into it hard at the beginning, it very quickly becomes super polarizing. And then Jake's dad has to be like, no, I can't fold on this because I've put my foot down. And if I fold now, then he's not going to follow rules later or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was going to be like, as we have just talked around this, I can see like for all the, like the respect about like, um, a relative who's died it's just sort of like how many not arguments have there been how much mm-hmm. pushing has Tom done is this just the final straw mm-hmm. like you say and it's just sort of like no no I've let so many things slide you've missed family dinners you did da, da, da. Mm-hmm. and you're now saying you're not coming to this fuck no absolutely not tough mm-hmm. I don't care about your other commitments this yeah. is more important yeah I, yeah. I think and honestly in general Jake's parents are remarkably oblivious to both Tom's activities and, and Jake's. <laughs> and frankly, Tom in this book, he's really pushed. I, I, we really do have to suspend disbelief to think that he can um, maintain his cover after this. But okay, okay, we can do that. This is Animorphs. But um, to me, it's like, it's, I think like this, I think it's like, if you're going to set a line in the sand, then this is actually the thing is um, disrespecting a, a family member in this way mm-hmm. i mean i don't I, I i don't want to harp on this but after this if i was jake's parents i would be a little bit more suspicious of the sharing after this hmm. yeah <laughs> i mean i think i think at the end they just like they put it all down to grief and weirdness okay and because mm. tom tom gets so injured at the end it probably okay by the time he's out of the hospital and like yeah. healing and not on pain meds anymore, like they they're probably just yeah. over it. <laughs> I also part of me likes the idea that the the yerk inside Tom's head has got a really quite cushy life. Mm-hmm. This is probably a really touch uh, person to have as a host. And there's something about the equivalent of this yerk dropping the newspaper like, fuck. <laughs> and it's like, it's the yerk panicking. Yes, it absolutely is. And that to me, it just makes me wish that we got a moment of that. Mm-hmm. Just to, to see that yerk scrambling. Yeah. Because by this point, this yerk has gotten good at being Tom. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the time when we see the yerk people, they, a lot of people can't tell. Like, some people do pick up on the fact that people are acting differently. Mm-hmm. But this outburst side, there are never any doubts about Tom. Like, Jake 
has the knowledge and so it's confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. We'll see the behaviours and understand what might be motivating them. But there's just something really interesting about me going just like damage crime. Like there are so many other ways. But because it's panic, I can actually just like, can I just be there for this part and come back? Mm -hmm. Or things like that, trying to make a different case for it. Like my understanding is Tom is old enough to drive as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he has a car, but I think he can drive. Yeah. But there would be options, I guess. Though it's just like, no, it's an eight-hour drive. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> you cannot come back early. But I could have seen a way just like, also, if I hadn't had a king, he could have just broken his leg sooner. Just like mm-hmm. taking a, you don't care about your host bodies. You could just like <laughs> do something. Just like get one of your friends to push you off a roof or something. Just be fine. Mm-hmm. Just, I can't go. Yeah. So, it's interesting that the Yerks didn't think of that. Right, like we've got to. They're less smart than Marco. The obstacle, obvious. Yeah, yeah. Just like, just like you know what we're gonna do to solve this problem, Chapman. (laughs) Drive this guy with a gun round the corner and just shoot (laughs) the dad, because that's the problem here. Not just like, well, if we break a leg, then he can't travel. Like, Mm -hmm. talk about going zero to a hundred. Like, (laughs) okay. I am mildly inconvenienced. Let's yeah. murder. <laughs> you know, I think it might speak to the Yerk's ableism. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because we've seen, like with Karen, how much Yerk's hate being in hosts that are mm-hmm. perceived as weaker or incapable. Mm-hmm. And so it could be that it doesn't occur to them because you don't mm-hmm. want to have a disabled host. Yeah. I, you know I, what's just occurred to me, and it's made me laugh to think of a yerk having to then deal with like a, a host body in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of like you get used to it being a certain way. Uh, I watched a video essay on transhumanism last night. Just like we tend to become sort of oblivious to technology as it becomes a part of us, like mm-hmm. a part of our sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um and like, but it just did just to occur to me a yerk dealing with a like injured host body is like the equivalent of me who grew up with dial up being annoyed that a web page is taking too long to load. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, just like come on! Yep. But it's that thing, just like I know how good it can be. Don't you give me this? I pay for my high internet connection. <laughs> I did my time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just sort of like the notion of I'm not dealing with a host with a broke with a broken host. Like fuck off. But yeah, we've exper- we've come across like you said that ableism before. But that fucking comparison just hit me and I had to share it. <laughs> just like fuck off am I going back to dial up? <laughs> I'm never going back. Yep. Were you gonna say something, Sarah? Oh. Um oh this can wait till later but i guess i'm a little confused about tom's game plan here because um yes okay he doesn't want to be in a, a host with a broken leg okay but you do you're fine with being in a host who killed his father and didn't really make much of an attempt to hide that so i, I just don't, don't think he's thought things through but i mean i get that he's he's panicked and all of that but mm-hmm. this york really has not thought things through <laughs> no also, uh, I can understand how with such a militaristic, uh, bloodthirsty way that the Yerks are forced to exist, even the ones that are like very pro-Empire, it's easier just to destroy an obstacle than mm-hmm. think of a creative way around it if you have the mm-hmm. means to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe they think, oh, well, the Yerks yeah. will take over in a few years anyway, so my host killing his his dad is not a big deal <laughs> the grand scheme of things also the fact that they don't try a second time to try and infest his dad just like okay failed attempt at the infestation murder <laughs> yeah like, we've seen that nice... yurks can survive in like a water in a plastic baggie just fucking take a yurk from the pool and bring it home yeah. infest him while he's sleeping yeah like there's so many ways that they could go around <laughs> yeah. it like this, I love this. This has become critiquing Yerk <laughs> tactics <laughs> with the Escafel files. But I'm just, I, oh, I just. 
<laughs> I also forgot the point I was going to make, but it's fine. Oh, I just, I can't. Oh, yeah, no. This is a well-off neighborhood. Like, we, um, like, Jake even comments that nobody takes taxis around here. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a car. Mm-hmm. And, like, this affluent upper middle class neighborhood um, and just like gonna do a casual <laughs> little drive by. Yep. No one will notice. No one Yeah, will like mm? and Chapman's <laughs> driving his own car. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I have to add something to the drinking game, just like Yerks do something real stupid <laughs> when there was a much easier point. What thing they could have done. <laughs> Uh huh. We should get back to the. Yes, we should get yes. back to the plot. Oh my um, god! Chapter There's three. The- <laughs> yep, it's fine. <laughs> um. So, dinner is fucking terrible. Everyone is super tense. Uh, Jake goes out after dinner. Um, because he. He wants to talk to somebody about what the fuck is going on. He really wants to talk to Cassie, but. Uh, her and her parents are at a some kind of seminar um and so he kind of automatically just heads for marco's house which is nearby now um and about like halfway there uh he runs into marco who's already out and who was gonna come to jake to get his english notes um and marco's like you seem really super out of it uh and jake is like yeah, my grandpa G died today. Uh, and they kind of like go back and forth about like, oh yeah, you know, that sucks to have a family member die. Yeah. Um, and they get to Jake's house and Jake's father's car is no longer in the driveway. Um, and Jake immediately starts walking faster. Um, and continuing to fill in Marco, telling Marco that they'll be gone for four days. Um, and Marco immediately puts everything together. Um, that's what, four days, Marco said, then grabbed my arm. Four days without Candrona rays, he said in a low, tense voice. Does Tom know how long you're going to be gone? Yeah, he and my dad had a big fight about it, I said, tugging free. My dad said he had to go. And then Tom had looked at my father with black hatred. No, not Tom. The yerk inside of him, controlling him. Tom's hands doubled into fists, poised to leap at my father. You left them alone, Marco said. Not an accusation. No blame. Just fact. Like I said, Marco sees the line that goes from A to B. He'd already seen Tom's dilemma, and he'd seen Tom's ruthless solution. Uh, Tom has abducted Jake's dad to go to a sharing meeting. Um, the specifically he's told like Jake's dad thinks that he's going to the sharing meeting to like talk to the organizers and explain why Tom can't be at this fake event that he said is happening this weekend. You know, the reason why he can't go to the funeral. Um, it takes some, uh, detective work to find this out because, uh, like, his dad wrote a note, but then Tom threw that note in the garbage, not wanting Jake to be able to follow them, etc., etc. Jake starts losing his fucking shit. Um, and just totally breaks down. Um, because they have no idea where this theoretical meeting could be happening. Um... And he, he cannot deal with the idea of Tom making his father a controller. Um, he's losing it. He's shouting at Marco. Um, Marco is trying to tell him, like, we, we might be too late already. Like, we, we, you might not have a choice but to accept this. Um, and Jake is not having any of it. He's, like, vibrating out of his fucking skin. Um, 
I didn't tell Marco, but at that moment I just didn't care about keeping our secrets. I didn't care about saving the world. I was saving one man. The rest of the world could take care of itself. There were some losses I wasn't willing to take no matter what. I'd lost my brother. That was it. I wasn't losing anyone else. 